Hello, welcome to episode number 277 of the Apple Log Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you by AIXDSP.com. Get affordable and Get affordable and useful plugins. Get the IC Intuition Compressor. It's a compressor that gives you a clear and intuitive visual display that shows exactly what is happening to your audio at all times. Click the link in the description of the podcast for more information. Thanks for shopping on Amazon. I really appreciate you, Amazon shoppers. You can support the show too by going to applelog.ca slash Amazon or applelog.ca slash US Amazon. You can do it the old-fashioned way too by going to applelog.ca and click on those banners located on the right side. Locate your country, whether it be Canada, the United States, or the UK. Bookmark the links, and every time you shop on Amazon, use the links to shop and support the show. Cost you no extra money. Thanks for supporting my work on Patreon. You can do the same thing by going to patreon.com slash Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees, and you can cancel at any time. Go buy a t-shirt, applelog.ca slash shop. iTunes, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give it five stars, please. Like the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash pod, and follow me on Twitter at simonhead666. T- today's guest is... None other than Cone, who's the bass player and member of the band Sum 41. Now, those who, of you who have followed along the show understand that Sum 41 played a very, very important part of my life. In the early 2000s, they were a band, a young band, kid band, signed to Island Records, making a go as a power pop power force. And I was their tour manager, and I toured all over North America with them, we seemed to do a figure eight pattern, an infinity sign, actually, throughout America. For over a year and a half, we toured together almost every day. I think I had about three or four weeks off in that 18 months of craziness. And um, dealing with all the things that young bands deal with, you know, they dealt with it. They were just like stars. And you know what? Cone, Derek, Steve, Dave, they're all, they're just these cool dudes that came from a town not too far away, actually, a town called Ajax. And what can I say? It's a big, long intro. Here he is, Cone, on the Apologue Podcast. It has been a very, very long time um, <laughs> since you know since we've toured together and had lives together and spent times in vans together and traveled all over the place together. Um, yeah, how you been? I've been I've been pretty good, like r- really good. You? I've been great. I've been great. I've yeah. been yeah. I've been working. Uh, I, I work at a, at a theater. I, I I'm a technical director, so I kind of do the op- opposite of tour managing. So yeah. I, I've been like uh, working at a theater in Richmond Hill for the past four years. You look the same. I got a beard though. I, I'm, no, well, a little bit more gray hairs. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel, I feel <laughs> the same. <laughs> I feel the same. I mean, how, you I feel, you look exactly the same too, dude. You haven't aged a day. Oh, thank you. But I feel like we were we're responsible for a few of those gray hairs. Oh, absolutely. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> probably, probably most of them. <laughs> no, no, my kids are responsible for all this. Okay. Kids well, we are, are kids. Yeah, that's we true. We were your kids. I have to tell the story, and I try to remember if it was your parents or Steve's parents that said, um, 
takes me aside after I'm driving, I'm driving to either your house or Steve's house and I, I get in the van guys and you're like 18, 17 year old kids and either your parents or Steve's parents said, uh, Hey, these are our kids. Like when you travel, I'll they take care of our children, please. Is, yeah. is what, what, what the message was. And it feels like it was your parents though. Yeah. And you weren't that old, were you? Well, like, I was, I was, you must've been in your thirties. In my early thirties. Yeah. I was like yeah, 31, 30 so. ish. I was still twice your age, you know, technically. <laughs> yeah, I guess we when we started touring on, ha- I guess you started when we were on Half Hour Power. So, the very first, yeah, the very first tours. Like, yeah, so Face to Face. Yeah. Face to Face, Boston's. Yep. Um, Catch 22. Yep. Yeah, all that stuff. Good Charlie. Uh, that, was, Good Charlotte. that was towards the end, though. That was towards the end, yeah. of, the, end, of, end, of, end of life. Yeah, so that would have been like 99. Yeah. Well, it felt like 2001-ish, maybe 2000 as well. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it was 2000. Right, yeah, because uh, Half Hour Power came out in 2000. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was your first tour manager. Um, sound guy. Sound guy, yeah. I mean, <laughs> first crew guy. First only guy. Only guy, yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, we're doing a warp tour, and it's going to be so many days without any sleep. Do you, you want to do it? And, of course, I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Not knowing... Oh my God, nobody can drive in this van because it's a rental van. And uh, there were so many crazy stories about that Warp Tour, particularly because. Um, the 2000 Warp Tour? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Green Day was on that tour. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, no effects Boss were tones. on that. Boss Tones were on the tour. Yeah. Um, well, oh, there, there were so many great bands on that tour. And it didn't the one on Staten Island got like rained out or something. So we had to like come back from like Chicago yeah, right. or something to like we had, no, from Detroit. We had to drive all the way back to to new york city and yeah yours truly drove like just drinking red bull and taking ephedrine <laughs> got you <laughs> and you remember you remember on that tour that's when we bought like all those nice new blue road cases that were so <laughs> heavy <laughs> that, like you could see from like a mile away because they're so sparkly and yeah. blue yeah <laughs> and they're so heavy <laughs> Yeah, the company really like took you guys to town on that one because it was <laughs> the original order was for thinner, um, lighter material, and they put like three quarter inch plywood road cases together for you, and yeah. Um, everything. Yeah, weighed a goddamn ton, and uh, and I remember showing up at War Tour and like all the punk bands are looking at us going, "Hey, rock stars, <laughs> just get your big yeah. deal kind of thing." We're like, uh, "Yeah, someone actually- got." Someone got the royalty check. Yeah, was, we made a fort out of them. Like, but but we didn't have anyone to carry them. So we true. were carrying them. We're like, ah, oh, fuck. Well, there was moments too, because in every city there was a person that worked for Island that would come and steal you guys away to do press, and it was That's usually right. like right after you played. So it's like you know, Warp Tour was like whatever stage we were on. Like, okay, guys, get your shit off. We gotta go. And you're like, you guys would be doing press, and I'd be like, okay, uh, give me a second. <laughs> We didn't even have a merch person. No, you didn't. No, it was me. It's just you. It's just you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, what was I I'm thinking? I'm sorry. I'm no. sorry. Oh, man. No, dude. <clears throat> Believe me. I have so many great memories and stories of those days. And it's not even like, you know, there were some tough times. But it wasn't like, there were some times I've been on tour with other bands that have just been like, God damn, I fuck, why did I do that? <laughs> you know, why did I, how did I make that happen? So, anyways. oh, Simon, you're making me drink here. I know. Well, I got <laughs> coffee. I, I do have beers upstairs, but you know, cheers, anyways, man. Cheers. Yeah, it good has to see been, you. like I said, it's been a very long time. Uh, recapping Warp Tour, uh, yes. driving all night, 
there was one particular time where uh, we were driving to Staten Island to do that last warp tour of that tour, and I almost lit you guys on fire. Oh, no, no, that fire had ha- was happening. That happened on La Cienega in, in Hollywood, right? No, no, no. This is when we were getting fuel in that in that vehicle, and all the fuel spilled like just. I got it ephedrine stuck in my throat, and it was like a fucking bad like movie where I was like trying to spit it up, and then all I heard was and I heard like rushing water sounds. It was actually gas coming out of the diesel, and there was a puddle all the way around the van. And the guy came running out like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Uh, I'm sorry, I took my eyes off. I thought it would just stop. You know what I mean? Like all gas." Things should just stop and not overflow. And he and he made me take all like the sand and shit. And I had been up for days at that point and, and put it down just <laughs> for the spill. And then and then drove away. And I don't. I think I told you guys. Maybe it's just one of those weird fleeting memory because everybody was sleeping at the time. But yeah. No, I I, I remember something like that. Uh, there was also a time. Maybe maybe you weren't the tour manager, but. I thought you were, but our, our our van did light on fire. I got a phone call to... from you guys that said okay. uh, that from Steve called me and said, "Hey, you'll never believe what happened." And I <laughs> okay. think I was just at home or something. I'm like, "Hello," and oh, uh, he was asking you to come back. We need you back. <laughs> <laughs> well, after me though, you guys went through a lot of tour managers. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of tour managers that couldn't handle i guess the the teenagers that you could handle (laughs) (laughs) you know we were up to a lot of shit as as success became more with you guys things got a little bit more out of hand from what i remember yeah as we as we learned that our record label would pay for a lot of stuff that we were doing (laughs) like why not fucking do it yes and uh i mean and anyone would right well it's true I mean, there was some funny rules laid to me from from Greg. Um, have them in bed by two. <laughs> <laughs> um, if they're going to do anything crazy, make sure they videotape it. Yeah, that was always one. That was a rule. And uh, I think I, I remember driving down the road one day. You guys, I look back and I go, "Hey, uh, so the managers, to, to, they've they've given me some guidelines for you guys. I want to make sure you're in bed by two. And I hear you all snickering in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and I said something, and I'll, I kind of remembered saying it because I remember it being one of these things. Like I said, I was, had this moment. And I said, you know, it. Fuck it, just do anything you want to do. Just don't get me thrown in jail or you thrown in jail, because next year you might not be here. I think I said something like that. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? Probably. Well, that makes sense. You know, th- there's two there's two standout stories when you were a tour manager for me anyway. Um, I mean, there's there's actually quite a few, but um, one was we had to drive from Vegas to Halifax. Yes. To, to, we ended a tour in Vegas, and we had to be in Halifax in like two and a half days or something. And you were meeting to, up to, with me in Trouble Charger. Trouble Charger tour. Yes. yes. Um, and we just drove. And we never stopped. Did you fly? You might have flown because I flew from Vancouver because I was mixing the first Foursquare record in Vancouver. Okay, then, then you're meeting with Trouble Charger, and I was meeting with you in Trouble Charger because you had uh, you had Hoogie with you on that tour. Okay, so it was us and Hoogie. Yeah, I remember. I remember waking up at a truck stop, and Steve was moonwalking across the goddamn parking lot. 
because he had done too many yellow jackets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah trucker speed. Yeah and, yeah, uh, yeah. and I remember, like, just, like, wiping my eyes and, like, looking out the window. And Steve was on a whole other level. And, uh, okay, I thought that was you. But, that no, no, but you you were on then that next tour. That was what – when I, I got trying. on that tour, I ended up just riding with you guys. Um, and uh, I remember Hoogie locked the keys in the van in front of Tim Hortons. And Hoogie and I didn't really, didn't really get along at that point. He was a bit, he was young and a bit, bit weird. And I do have a story about Hoogie, and uh, <laughs> but he just locked the keys in the van, and every, you guys just went. You know what? You just went into Tim Hortons, and I had to break into the van with like a coat hanger to get into the van in the freezing cold. And <laughs> yeah, um, oh shit! You you blocked you cut out. What's going on here? Poor connection again. Hold on. Let's just shut this off. Um, I I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Fuck. Okay, let me try calling again. For some reason, it's not. It just cut out. Can you hear me? Can you see? I'm calling you right now. I'm I'm calling you on thing. There you are. There you there got you me. Go. Yep. Yeah, that's so weird. I'd shut my camera off on that thing, so maybe that'll help. Um, you can hear me? Yep. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. But the um, there's one there's one Hoogie story, uh, and it's when it was the last tour I did with you guys. It was Good Charlotte. And uh, Derek, uh, his mom was getting married, and my mother-in-law was getting married. So we both flew home from Florida to go to weddings, different weddings. We both woke up super early in the morning, and I'm trying to get in touch with Hoogie. I'm trying to say, hey, man, uh, our flights are coming in around this time. Make sure you pick us up from uh, Tampa. It was it Tampa Airport? Wherever it was. Just pick us up. I don't even think it was Tampa. I think it was somewhere in, in the region in that area, maybe Orlando. And uh, Hoogie never got back to me, and we did the thing, got up super early, kept flying. Like so many exchanges because it's so cheap to fly when you have a 1,000 exchanges for some reason. Yeah. So – we got to Florida, no hoogie. And I called him. I, no, I called him. He never answered. So we get in an airport shuttle and we, yeah. we take this airport shuttle to the hotel, which is like 30, 40 minutes. He calls me and he says, uh, Hey, what time's loading tonight? And I said, I don't know. Like, we're not going to be, we're not leaving until like six. We'll, we'll go there for six because we've been up all night basically to get back to Florida. He goes, Well, we probably got to get there early because I got to set up all the guitars. I got I to string them all. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You had a day off, but you guys went to Disneyland or Disney World or <laughs> somewhere, Universal Studios, right? That's that like, sounds you had all right. day yesterday to do that. Now, you know, well, I will, you know. So I remember getting to the hotel. And then what made it worse, I left my phone. I was so mad, I threw my phone down. And I left it in this <laughs> airport shuttle and then got to the hotel and went, I went fucking found Hoogie. And I'm like, oh, my God, my phone is still in this thing. And we, flip phone at that uh, time. Yeah, it was a flip phone. So I go all the way back to the airport in the rental in our van to get my fucking phone back. I came all the way back. I saw Hoogie in the room. I said, "Dude, I will never tour with you ever. Like this is it. We're done. I'm not dealing with this anymore." And uh, he started getting. You know, he's a big guy. He started getting a little tear going. I'm like, "Oh, I made Hoogie cry. Sorry, Hoogie." Oh uh, yeah. 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 We all treated him like garbage, pretty much. Like he he kind of. Was asking for it in ways, but yeah, 
he was he was a he was a young tech guy. You know, he's he's doing great now. Yeah. Um, I think he does some big uh, like new metal bands and stuff like that. Yeah, Active no, he bands. definitely he was like eighteen, sixteen, maybe as young as you guys. But yeah, he being, just needed to learn the ropes. Yeah, he was way more tough to manage than you guys. Like you guys were fucking. <laughs> super mellow for the better part you know the reason why we are easy for you is because you were just always a part of it yeah <laughs> so it's just like it wasn't you were managing us it was like we were just doing it all together yeah we were just wreaking havoc together there was a lot of experiences that you're right like we all lived it together but if it was this simon right now and i was touring with you guys from back then it might have been it might be a different story you know what i mean like, oh i'm sure yeah just, yeah, because I remember after you, we did get some older tour managers that lasted, you know, a month. Yeah. Or, you know, a couple months and they were gone. Um, you know, Jeff Marshall was a manager. Um, he lasted quite a while because he could put up with our bullshit. And, uh, but, uh, you know, do, do you remember this one story? I, I always, I like, <laughs> I love this story because I know you were part of it um, on the Boston's tour. Mm hmm. And uh, we were in a dressing room with Nate from Floggy Molly. Oh, I know this Do you know, story. Yeah, you know yeah. this one? Chicago. And I think it was... In Chicago. Uh, probably, yeah. Was it the Vic? Yeah, in the basement. Yeah. And we, and we were all breaking bottles. We were, breaking, we were drinking beers, breaking bottles, and Nate was breaking bottles. And uh, Derek and Steve and I were down there. I don't even know if Steve was down there. I know Derek was down there. And, uh, you know, security came storming downstairs. And... And told us, what the fuck are you guys doing? You guys got to get out. So me and Derek, you know, skinny little guys, were like, all right, we're going to leave. That's cool, yeah. And Nate's like, I'm not going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Derek and I left, kind of looking, looking over, sort of like, Nate, Nate, let's go, man. Come on. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm not fucking leaving. And uh, what had happened, I guess he got beat up yep. by, the, by the security guys. And... And it wasn't good. And, uh, it turned out to be your fault. <laughs> I, I, I get, I mean, I don't know what we were supposed to do at that point. We were trying to get out and he wasn't getting out. And we were like, trying to call him. And, and uh, you know, then the next thing I know, we're getting called on the Boston's bus. Yeah. I was, do you remember the funny that? Thing was, is everybody's I think they the came side. to you and said, hey, hey, Simon, uh, Dickie wants to, to, to see Derek and Cohen on, on his bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so me and Derek being 20 years old and fucking I love Dickie so funny you know he treated he, you know like the whole joke about Derek being His Dickie's son, son the yeah. whole tour he brings us on the bus and uh, we kind of walk up sheepishly and we're kind of like sitting there he's like my buddy Nate and I have a bad Dickie impression but um, you know he's yelling at us in his Dickie voice and you know, he's, you know, his, you know, Nate got beat up and, you know, we were breaking bottles and fucking Cohen and Derek and fucking Steve-O and, and, uh, and we're just kind of have our heads down and all the Boston's are looking at us. We're just like standing in the front lounge of the bus. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, now go scurry off with your little friends. <laughs> and and we, we just like leave like with our heads down. We're just, oh man. And, man, this story gets talked about still all the time in our band because yeah. I, we don't know really what happened that night, but I just remember breaking bottles and Nate got beat up. Yeah. And I feel bad about that, obviously. Well, and uh, and then Dick, Dickie yelling at us. There's more to it because we're all on the sidewalk in front of the club. And uh, who's the singer from Floggy Molly? Dave. Dave. 
so the, the Nate's sitting there, he's holding his head or something. I, I came walking up because I like ate dinner and sort of show up after all this fucking chaos had happened. And I said, uh, what's going on? He goes, your band got my bass player beat up. And I'm like, Ugh. oh, shit, really? And then all of a sudden Nate starts, he starts like talk, like getting the shaky voice. Like, and Dave's like, don't cry. Do not cry. <laughs> <laughs> don't cry. but it happens all the time fucking cops uh, he starts shaking and whimpering and he meanwhile he's got like suspenders and fucking 20 hole docks and he's like you know maybe might as well have a mohawk he's bald yeah because he got the thing i do remember is just like probably six large security guards coming downstairs and yelling like get the fuck out of here and derek and i are like Okay. okay. <laughs> and looking behind us being like, Nate, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, I'm not fucking leaving. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, we used, you know, we all used to drink a lot. So, you know, that gets in the way. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, there's another one. The SR-71 story, I think, is infamous, too. Where we're oh, right. Festival, we're course. doing festivals with them or we're doing yeah. playing the same time. And there was like, <clears throat> where was it? Like at a fun park or something? And it was like a second stage. It was the first show of this tour. And Greg had already set this whole thing up with Derek to start shit-talking them and didn't let me know. It was in Antioch, Tennessee. It was in Tennessee, yeah. And I have no memory of, like, nobody told me, like, hey, there's probably some shit's going to be going down. So um, maybe not set up all your preamps or maybe get ready to fucking run, uh, you know. And so I'm sitting there mixing and then Derek's just starts shit talking SR seventy one, and there's sound guys behind me, going and the like, band's watching us from the side yeah, of stage. Yeah, because <laughs> apparently just, they liked us. <laughs> they did. <yeah. laughs> so they're all like that. sitting there, like, "Oh, this is a great show. This is a great show." <laughs> not after that though. Uh, and no, it, of course And not. it progressed into this because we were sharing the same hotel as them, right? Yes. And then there was a lot of drinking, and this is. So when you we, say we, I experienced we bought them blowjob shears. I didn't speak. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't experience <laughs> that part of it because I knew we had to get up really early in the morning. So I'm like sleeping, and I wake, and the next day, it, like it's still dark. I think we're ready. We're leaving, ah, and um, Steve came out, and he's got his like he's not wearing pants. He's got his suitcase, and he goes, "Those fuckers broke my camera." <laughs> Do you know you were you there for that? Right? You there? Did I go away? Oh, son of a bitch. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. God damn it. Yes. Bad internet. Um, yeah. You there yes. now? Yeah. So do you what, tell the audience that night, because that night I didn't see any of it, but it became like this big... It was a brawl between labels and bands and management and just because of SR-71. Yeah, so what we had heard, and, you know, this is now now when you think of it, it's all hearsay and people saying stuff. But anyway, so we had heard that that their first song that came out um, was trying to mirror makes no difference. It was like their A&R guy said, hey, listen to this song. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't sound anything like that at the time. They were kind of like a hair metal band. Yeah. That's what we had heard. And uh, so then their A&R guy said, hey, look, listen to this song. It's really cool. Maybe we should write a song like this. 
and then it came out, became a pretty big hit. Um, and it did sound like makes no difference. Um, and I don't know if that's the way it happened. This is what we were told. And, you know, as a 19 year old, 20 year old, we're like, well, fuck them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then the whole thing, you know, with Greg's whole thing too, trying to stir shit and, you know, we're all easily into starting shit with bands at that time. Um, so when, yeah, when we played with them, like Derek was talking shit on stage and we ended up staying at the same hotel as them and we were at the bar barely legal to drink no you weren't even legal you guys were like <laughs> probably eight, not. 19 years old yeah you that's right even... yeah because that's right because i was probably 20 steve was 19 yeah. um and they ended up coming to the hotel bar right across the bar from us and we we said we should buy some buy some shots for them and we bought them around the blowjobs Right. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, you know, they drank them staring at us <laughs> and <laughs> licking the whipped cream off the top. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and I guess like one someone went to go to the bathroom with a walk past them and one of their girlfriends said something and then it all turned into like the shouting match. And then uh next thing I knew we were in a brawl. <laughs> Steve was in a headlock and he punched in the face and I was like grabbing a guy and he was like, Oh yeah, you're like 60 pounds. Get off me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Derek's in this thing. And, you know, I don't remember Dave being there. Maybe Dave was there. Um, he probably wasn't drinking with us, but, <laughs> but anyway, and then, and then they, so they beat us out. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were men and we were kids. And, uh, so then, but the night wasn't over. We were like, well, f- all right, we're, they have a bus outside and we're going to go slash their tires. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, and their bus was like up a hill and we, so we, I remember like army crawling up a hill, Derek, (laughs) Steve and I, (laughs) and we're just like crawling up this hill and we somehow had a knife, like maybe it was probably like a little, like a steak knife um, or something. So, yeah, stole a steak knife from the restaurant or something. And uh, we were just about to like stick it in the tire and someone came out the door of the bus and was like, what the fuck's going on? And then it turned into a whole other thing. And uh, the one the one thing I remember from that whole conversation with them and they, you know, as we're yelling at them outside their bus, they said, go back to your, li- go back to your little van. We're going to hang a gold rec- another gold record on our wall soon. Yeah. And uh, then we never heard from them again. <laughs> yeah, but the, no, but that see the the whole thing be the the management thing is that their A and R guy was the same A and R guy that was for Trouble Charger. Yeah, and Trouble exactly. Charger had been dropped already, yes. and then their A and R guy was then you know telling this other like the, what you said. But Greg had a vendetta because he was like, that's American Psycho, you know, they, the most successful record to date gets yes. dropped from the American record label. He had a thing, like he, he definitely had a vendetta against that label yeah. and that A&R I guy. think def- d- d- Greg was definitely the, stirred this whole thing up. Yeah. He was the ringleader of it all. He never told um, me. We would- he never told What's me. That? He never told me. Like I, I get to this place and I... If I would have known that this was going to be a thing, I would not have set anything up. I probably would have just run. Because the thing that happened after that is Derek gets hauled out of that place with these two big monster bouncer guys. And I came running after them. 
And like everybody's sort of gathered around and the guy's like ready to throw them out of the park. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, Hey, talk to me. Don't talk to him. Like, you know what I mean? So we kind of like, I was yeah. an adult. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. talk to me. Don't, don't throw him out because it would have been really bad. And, um, managed to get him back in to the place, into the thing. And I don't know how that worked out, but, but it happened. And then, then everything just went, you know, there's actually a lot of video footage from that. Oh, night really? That you guys took. It became like an EPK, a different EPK than the one you originally did, I think. Okay. Yeah, I remember some video being taken. You know, the whole thing about that SR-71 thing is that I don't know. I, I'm sure Greg, I don't know if that whole thing about them copying makes no difference really happens. You know, this is something that he told us not as 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids. And, of course, you know, we respected Greg and we um and we took it ran with it you know and i'm not so sure who knows who they might have just written that song just because they wrote the song yeah <laughs> well who knows there was a lot of weirdness happening in the early 2000s when it came to writing music you know and a lot of people were sure. doing stuff like that like everybody was scrambling because of like illegal downloading and and, and no one yeah. knew what was going on no one knew how to fix it and that's sort of at the dawn of napster right really if you think about it People were yeah. really, really, really desperate, you know, and True. In, for you guys to like be signed to a label, put records out and still put out records, you know, and still do things and still have like a following of people. It's a, it feels like a miracle to me. You know what I mean? Like, in a yeah. way, you know? Yeah. And I, I remember those, that, that was a really strange time because the, the whole pop punk thing with Blink uh, exploding in those days, everyone was looking for the next thing. So, you know, I don't doubt that SR-71 was a different kind of band and they turned into that band. Yeah. Uh, and But I'm not positive that they cause it, they copied our song. Um, no, who knows? Maybe, yeah, who uh, knows? And you know what? Yeah, who knows? You guys got the last laugh last anyways because, you know... You and they're probably up... nice guys. Like, if I saw them now, I'd be like, oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember you punched me in the face, but I probably deserved it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as you know, and that's true because who knows, you know, that's true. That's true. And, you know, and, and it was fun watching you guys like see things for the first time, you know, and, and I had really only really kind of been touring for maybe five or six years, you know what I mean, at that point. But to see people see it for the first time, and I toured with SNFU, and SNFU were kind of a hard ass band to tour with. Like they're like, you never yeah. be late, always be on, you know, always be best behavior. If there's an altercation in the van, it's got to be dealt with because we're going to be spending a lot of time together. These are all things that they taught me, you know, like, on, yeah. and, and I, I guess I was trying to instill the same type of values on you guys, you know, because, you know, the, the, the van gets bigger, but the problems also get bigger, right? When you, when you're, when you're a new band, right? And young guys. Yeah. True. Right. You yeah. Know? And green, like very green. Like we'd never toured the U S before we never really toured extensively. Like we did, you know, uh, weekend tours or a week. Uh, but you always like, when you came aboard, you seem like you had done it all to, to us. Yeah. You know, I, I, I remember seeing your, one of your bands at Exeter high school. <laughs> Were you, did you play in self-serve or something? No. Yeah, I did. I did play in self-serve. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's funny. I forgot all about that. I remember you played with your fingers and I was like, what the fuck's that all about? Yeah. Me and John Drew. <laughs> it was me and John Drew in self-serve. John Drew played in that too? Yeah. The very okay. first version of it had uh, um, Pat, um, I can't remember his last name, 
yeah, no, that was that was a weird band because the singer I met the guy like in Florida who's a Canadian living down there when I was touring with Red Fisher, and okay. ended up I didn't had no idea he lived in he was from Ontario, but yeah, they all were around Richmond Hill and where I work is like two blocks away from where we used to jam in this basement like in the <laughs> mid nineties and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet you if I dig in some of my boxes, I have the self serve album because I bought it that day. <laughs> Oh, crazy. Yes. I don't know if you played that show, but I, I, I think your name's on the album. Yeah, no, I recorded the album, and Mark Holman, actually, Moby, produced that record um, okay. from Trigger Happy. Well, then he was in Scratching Post. So you, oh, you okay. know Mark from Scratching Post. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, and that's, I mean, yeah, like you guys, when you guys came out of Ajax and, and sort of left Ajax, that was like, yeah, you think of how many bands that just wanted to do that you know you, you must yeah. have found a lot of people kind of like lashing out at you guys like was it was it that type of stuff uh well it was the thing was we played a lot more in toronto than we did in durham yeah like we always for some reason we were lucky because we got on feldman pretty early yeah so we were getting a lot of good like we i remember opening for down by law gob when they came um and this was all at like alma combo and dan burke loved us yeah. So a lot of like, all all the time, bands would come through and he'd just throw us on. Yeah, and we got lucky with that kind of stuff. Um, so we actually played a lot more in Toronto than we did with did in Ajax or Pickering or whatever. Yeah, because there was like what was it the um, Chameleon that was the only real place in Ajax to play. And the other thing about the the lashing out about those local bands was you know without without like Twitter and Instagram you don't really hear about it. Yeah. You know, we just kind of you there. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Um, you don't you you don't hear about it like you would today. Yeah. You know, so we would go do our own thing. We'd go on tour and we'd come back, but you wouldn't. You might hear someone saying, "Oh, this person was talking shit about you," but if it was if it was Twitter and Instagram back then, you'd hear a lot more about it. Um, yeah, but you you know, you don't really hear about it back then. We didn't care you know well yeah and the fact the fact about caring is that you guys were kind of on your way anyway so it didn't really matter like whoever was trying to you know bring you down it was like yeah okay i'll see you when i come back from my tour you know and although it was yeah. a van there was some you know although it it really was it was hard but it was actually fiscally very responsible you know because yeah do you think if you guys would have been like taking the bus and and you like half hour power was marginally successful but it wasn't like you know what i mean it wasn't a blockbuster was, no it wasn't <laughs> but if you guys would have it maybe would not have a chance to make you know what i mean the second album yeah if you had taken too much from you know the 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 label you know and that was you know if anything that i have to hand it to like management for that is that they basically said you know we're not going to take too much money you know, and with that came a lot of stress for that, you know, for Greg and for management because they're sending four dudes out on a major label with this guy who's doing all the driving. Like, that yeah. wouldn't happen. To, I don't know if that would happen today. Like, would you say? Yeah, your, you, had, you had a lot on your plate because you were the main driver, you're the tour manager, and you're the sound guy. <laughs> um, and none of us really wanted to drive. We couldn't because it was a rental van. Okay. So you had to well, be 25 to drive anyway. <laughs> that never would have happened. I think I got Dave to drive once or twice when we yeah. were driving from like 
we <laughs> we had to drive from Los Angeles to um, somewhere in Nevada, Mesa maybe I can't remember. But we drove and we we did a, we went through a time zone, and I forgot we'd gone through a time zone. So we did sound check and went back to the hotel, and then came back like an hour late because I thought we were on LA time, but okay. we were actually on fucking <laughs> Central time. So we got on the show, and that was the same tour. Where Derek left all his clothes behind on the sidewalk. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was one of the last tours I think I did with you guys because everything was sort of. I mean, I'm maybe putting a couple tours together, but we did a tour also where everything got stolen out of the van. Yeah, which became that. Thing oh, that, was, yeah, we got we got we got a lot of like tapes stolen. Derek still, Derek was talking to me about that like maybe like two months ago. He got because his, remember all uh, those tapes that we got stolen from us. It was all like demo tapes of yeah, a half hour power. Fat lip was even, on there. I remember he yeah, was writing it on that though. tour in that on that little recording unit thing in the back, and that got stolen. Luckily, yeah. there was backups sitting at home. But <laughs> if someone's got the original demo foul lip somewhere, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and I remember, I remember getting yeah. in shit for that. I'm like, wait a second, hold on a second. How can this be my fault? Yeah, you know. And actually, the big, you know, I guess it doesn't go without saying, but I should probably say what. When Greg gave me all this trouble, he got mad at me because I basically went to the American side of the label and said, or of management and said, I need money. Like, I don't have any cash. Like, I'm using personal credit cards to check into hotels and stuff because I didn't have enough cash. And yeah. that became Greg's, pro Greg's fault. And somehow... Well, that's a management thing, yeah. It was a management thing. Because I asked when... I was weird. I was in Vancouver and got the float in Vancouver for some reason and then flew to Toronto and then met you guys. Had to drive to St. Louis or something. And um, I remember saying... It was Ari. I said, hey, man, I, I, I don't have any cash. I need cash. Well, you should have had enough cash. I said, yeah, I didn't get enough cash. And that became... I threw Greg under the bus. And he was like uh, yelling at me and fucking so mad. And I remember that one time with remember the van broke and all that fucking yeah. chaos. And we we're on tour. I yeah. forget we were on tour. We were bowling for soup. We we're on tour bowling for soup. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And they picked you guys up in a van and and took you guys to like uh, Denver. <coughs> yeah, we and then I we ended up with them for a while. Yeah, it was like two days you were with them with because I had to get the van towed like three hundred miles to a tow that's station right. in Salt Lake City to a repair place. And then I had to drive the thing all the way to um, somewhere like Nebraska to like pick you guys up. And as yeah. I pull in, I'm doing as fast as I can. And I pull up to the club and, and I heard his, thank you, good night. And it was load out. So then we had to load all the <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. And that was, yeah, that was that well, was my last tour. And we almost fucking died in like trying to get to Chicago because of the snowstorm and and, yeah, that was uh, that was Catch Twenty Two and Bowling for Soup and us. Yeah, and I we just played with Bowling for Soup not too long ago. We we rehashed that moment. We were talking about it, and um, those are good. They're good guys, Bowling for Soup guys. They're great guys. I can't believe they did that. You know, yeah, like they they were packed into a van with that guy, and they like, let one of them us was like three hundred pounds. Yeah, I mean, like we were just we were just squished into this van. It was. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, come on to our bus and we'll, you know, someone could sleep in the back lunch. It's like, no, come into our small van yeah. where we're already squished. And uh, we'll, four of we'll you guys and Mark Belke. That's another thing. I was going to, I was going to touch on this, like the SNFU thing is like, I can't, Mark Belke. So he came, you brought him in yeah. as our guitar tech. Yeah. 
Um, and at that time, to be honest, I didn't know who SNFU was. Yeah. And he, he seemed pretty humble about it too. He's very like he didn't seem, he didn't, he didn't seem angry that he was guitar teching for these young kids. Um, yeah, it was a strange thing. And I look back at him now, I'm like, that's really fucking crazy that he was our guitar tech. <laughs> he wanted to get out yeah. of Vancouver. And I was that's talking right. to him on the phone. And he's like, yeah, I got to go. He's breaking up with his, with his girlfriend. And I'm like, come on tour with me, man. Come out with some 41. And I remember the, the pay wasn't that great. It was like, yeah, I'll do that. You <laughs> know, course. we just flew him to Toronto. And then, and it's funny. I remember him checking like guitar for Dave's guitar on the first, like the first part of the first show, one of the first shows were like somewhere. And, and Dave's going like, holy fuck, he can play. I'm like, yeah, he can fucking play. He plays an SNFU. Like he's a fucking <laughs> really good, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, yeah. And, and I, it was such an amazing moment when he actually, he like, he validated my opinion on you guys by saying, yeah, these guys are it. Like these are, he's watching Derek, like skateboard and seeing how you guys play. And he goes, yeah, these guys are the real deal. You know what I mean? And, and to get that sort of like oh, validation nice from a punk rock legend. Yeah. It's, you know, it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. He was a nice guy. He was always a nice guy to us. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's so, so strange to think that he was our guitar tech. Um, you know, I should I should reach out to him. I haven't talked to him for a long time. Yeah, well, poor Chai. You heard about Chai know. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never met Chai. Yeah, he was elusive. What was he like? He was um, he's crazy. He's yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, he's hard. He's hard to deal with, but you know, whatever. I mean, he'd been doing it. It's funny. He wasn't. He's not much older than me. Maybe five or six years older than me. But he really aged fast. Like they, he just he went hard. You know what I mean? Like, you know. Like hard, he was a hard drinker. Hard drinker. Partying. He was into like he was. He got into crystal meth, I think, and yeah. he was just, just yeah. you know, just dealing with mental illness, and, and you know, yeah. working through all that shit. Like, you know, yeah. did you guys ever go to excess? I I know Derek does. We don't have to talk about it, but I know like there was there was some excess in rock and roll. Yeah, uh, you know that would. I feel like I've always just drank. A lot. Um, Derek obviously hit a point in his life where he drank way too much and almost died. And everyone probably already knows all about that story. Uh, but yeah, I think we've calmed down. But yeah, it, there was there was there's a point between like 2002 and 2005, I think, when it really got really crazy mm-hmm. with drugs and alcohol. Um, that's when we had a little bit of money. Yeah, and so what we were doing through the all killer days and, and half hour power half hour power days. Now we actually had money to fund ourselves and do it, and you know we didn't have to mooch off of anyone else. Yeah. We could just buy it for ourselves. Yeah, um, yeah. So there was there was a lot of drugs, and I remember one time with you, we were driving to the border of of Detroit, and Steve had found ecstasy in his pocket. I don't know if you remember this. No, I don't. And he's like. And we were an hour from the board. He's like, I have this, I, I just found ecstasy in my pocket. We're like, well, we, we better do it. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting, we're the borders in an hour. We can't, we can't go through the border with ecstasy. So we all started popping ecstasy and uh, we shoo, right through the border. And <laughs> I don't remember that. Yes. So the, yeah, well, we probably didn't tell you. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, we got, we got pretty crazy like i like i said i think for me anyway my my like uh crazy days were like 2002 to 
2005 with all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then there's like trickles throughout the year. Derek's obviously was um, later, like 2013. Yeah, um, I remember getting like but, like people like getting in touch with me, going, "Hey, do you have comments?" I'm like, "No, I got no comments." You know, it was weird because it made national news, like, you know. Yeah. Because I think I, I I can't remember. Maybe I was texting you or something. Like I got these people like presses actually once questions from answered and i'm like i can't answer any of them I, either it was you i can't remember maybe it might have been dave just say don't say anything just i'm like no comments and i'm like it's like yeah. one of the first times ever it's like oh no comment <laughs> you know yeah yeah i, yeah. Yeah, I remember i remember back in like the early 2000s network was thinking about dropping us and this is when we were selling albums and making them a ton of money because they didn't want to be associated because they heard we were doing drugs and, you know, they had Sarah McLaughlin and Bare Naked Ladies. Who does drugs, too? Yeah, of course. <laughs> they, that's what well broke up that band, now. basically. That's what got Stephen yeah. Page out of Bare Naked Ladies, because he can't go to it, America. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so th- I, there was, like, you know, they, we got talked to about this whole thing about our drug use, and uh, they didn't really want to represent us. They want to rep- represent a band that did all these drugs and drank all this much. And uh, so then we just had to hide it from them. that makes sense be more careful (laughs) i think uh i picked up uh, i picked up some shows with you guys when of my band and Mm -hmm. i think like 2004 so we're like in the heyday of that nightmare you know what i mean you guys i think i sort of we got it was a weird thing because it was supposed to be like 14 shows or something and then it turned yeah. into seven somehow. And I'd already bought all the places. This was in tickets. Europe. Huh? This was in Europe. In Europe, yeah. Yeah. And that we was had the, an Italian backup band. No, that's a different time. This that was okay. that was that was the, the the time where we did two shows together. But the one where oh, we right. did seven, it was the four square guys, and that was the same year of the London bombings. Remember in you there? Yeah. Where the bombs yeah, yeah. the bombs went off and in where one of the bombs went off was like right close to your hotel, like where you were supposed to was be. Was this in in London? In London, yeah, yeah. Oh, you were you were on that tour? We were, we were. Yeah, that that was the two thousand four London bombings. Yeah, yeah. We or two thousand five. Was it five? Two thousand and five. It was two thousand five. Two thousand five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> dude. I, my whole personal hell to that was so brutal because first of all, it was supposed to be 14 shows, but then it went down to seven. So I immediately lost $10,000 on that tour. Oh, so then it turned into, well, we're going anyways, we're going to go. And, uh, we had no GPS. We had a shitty, we had a couple of kids driving us. We had like really no organization for how we we're going to do this. We got lost and we have no GPS. Like that's one thing. If you ever go anywhere, just, we, that's it was almost ridiculous. We had a map book like to get to places, yeah. and um, our label dropped the ball because we had no CDs to sell. Yet we were playing <laughs> the most amount of people we ever could. Like at that point, like even with those seven shows, we played in front of way more people. Had when we go there on our own, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know it was always really appreciated. I don't know if it really got sort of like actually, um, you know, said to you guys, but that was like such an actual like. A ne- like just a nice thing to do, you know, and you didn't have to do that. Well, we, we, we obviously have a lot of history together, you and our band. So like, we want to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. it was totally awesome. 
I, I actually had no idea you're on that because there, there was a you know what happened when we skipped that London show. Yeah. You know, you know that Derek and I got beat up in France. Yes, because your face got. Yeah, I remember the next scene yeah, my, the next show, and your lip was all fucking. Yeah, my tongue was split open. Derek went to jail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> was that a show, or was that just you guys partying? Yeah, because that night that we took the ferry right to France, went to a bar, drank through the whole ferry, went to a bar. Uh, Steve and uh, Dan Moise went home. And Derek and I started kicking signs over on the street. And then Derek ran up on a car, which happened to be a security guy's uh, car that was watching the venue that we were playing the next day. <laughs> and they were just kind of outside the, the, the park, and they were just, like, walking up and down the street. And Derek decides to run out of the car, and uh, it was his car. <laughs> so, so he comes running over and starts swinging, and we all get into a swinging match. And, uh, yeah, my lip got split open or my tongue got split open and we got put in handcuffs <laughs> and, and, you know, the French police come and, and then they start pointing at Derek. And so all, all I know is I, I'm getting unhandcuffed and they're saying like, he's going to jail and he's going home. And they took me back to my hotel oh. with like just pouring blood. <laughs> like my tongue was hanging off my face. Yeah. And uh, and they took Derek to jail for the night. And Steve took me to hospital the next day. Really? Because <laughs> he could speak French. Oh God! Yeah, I I remember hearing some of that story, but yeah, we had our own like we had our own hell that that same night. We got stuck. We were in we stuck on the ring road of London. We couldn't go into into London obviously because everything was closed. We found a hotel room. Actually, we found two rooms, which was actually a miracle. We found two rooms. And our driver got fucking wasted and threw up all into my sink, where where because uh, I was staying with the the merch guy and the and the driver. We were staying in one room, and then the other three guys were staying in the other room. And I remember just it's just such a fucking just horrible thing because I'm like I thought for a second, oh my god, Spring doesn't know that I'm still alive. Like I, <laughs> if she put the the itinerary together, I'd be in London, like yeah. right now. And and those bombings were like a block from the venue. Yeah. Yeah, there was blood on one of the, where the hotel was you were staying at, there was blood from the one double-decker de bus that exploded. It was oh, there. It was right there. So I, yeah. I told the story a few times, but I don't know if you remember this, but I, I couldn't get a hold of Spring. And it was like all day I'm trying, and all the phones were jammed. And finally I, get, I walk to the top of this hill, and I get service, and I call, and I call Spring, and I go, Hey, how you doing? She goes, great. She goes, I'm still alive. And she goes, well, so am I. She had no idea where I was. No idea. And had she known that I was like, she, yeah. I don't think she wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? But uh, I was like, yeah, I was supposed to be in London. Like, yeah. And we got lost. And that's what made us not go there. Because my big thing was we're just going to go to the venue and sleep in the front until they open. Then we're going to go sleep on the couches. Because we had nowhere to stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That same yeah, night, that we woke up. We were leaving Manchester, and I woke up and I poked my head through the front of the van. And I go, "Where are we?" And the driver says, "I don't know." <laughs> he didn't know where we were. We were lost. So you England. had a van driver. Yeah, it was yeah. that white van with like that weird, shitty white van we had. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah man. But I, you know, it, it was one of those things where you think, you, you guys didn't have to do. You didn't have to do that, and you did, and that, and and I I'll, I won't forget it because it's one of those things that reminds me of just giving back. You know what I mean? Like, or yeah, even even though you know I got 
paid to work for you guys. You know, I think it's a testament of just sort of the bond, I guess, we created on those, whatever, those yeah. formative tours you guys were on, right? Yeah, we just, we wanted to hang out with you, and we also thought the band was good. <laughs> I mean, we, we try not to bring shitty bands out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like, we try to bring things we like. Yeah. And we also like you, and uh, so no, I, it was it was fun. I remember, and then we we did the whole other thing with the two shows with your Italian backup band. Oh, yeah. That was um, crazy because that was the same thing. There was all the fucking volcanoes were going off in that's right. Iceland, and I was almost not going to make it. Yeah, I was a day late because the big idea I was going to go there and meet up with these guys and practice like for like two straight days, but we had one practice. It was it was insane that you did that. <laughs> Like you, you put a band together from another country. Who didn't speak much English? <laughs> to be English. your backing band. Oh my yeah. god! That, <laughs> we got and you made them like. Well, I, I remember like I remember one show. You were just so drunk, and and they were just packing all the gear, and you're just hanging out. With oh, us. that was I'm in like, Munich. Simon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, go help these dudes. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> you're drinking whiskey with us. Like, yeah, yeah. Remember the good old days. Yeah. Well, there was, yeah, there was a moment because uh, <laughs> they were all speaking Italian in this, in this RV. And I would just sort of like, I, I was like, now I feel like I'm like Han Solo and they're all Chewbacca's, you know, cause they're just speaking. I'm like, yeah, of course we're going to get there in a certain time. And we actually had GPS on that tour. First tour I ever had GPS. And <laughs> we used to get, one of the first shows was at the backstage in Munich and well, the first show. And uh, we got notoriously lost trying to find that place. And we'd play there four times. We'd played there as Foursquare, like in all the different little venues, we, except for the outdoor venue. We played all those venues in backstage. And um, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And then finally have GPS. It's five minutes off the road. Like it's five minutes away from the highway. We would take yeah. three hours. Like we were opening for the weaker dance there on our first tour. We had to load in while there's people there, like waiting for us to show up. Oh, it was fucking brutal. But, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I guess, you know, like after, after Steve left and stuff, it was, it, was it hard to sort of like pull it all back together and become a band? Well, yeah, like, because it all happened all at once. So, you know, when we, you know, the, the last show we did was with Billy Talent. Um, and then we just didn't, like Derek and I didn't speak for an, a year and a half. Oh, really? I didn't know what he was doing. He, you know, we never reached out to each other. I had heard from people he was drinking more and more, um, wasn't leaving his house. Um, and then Steve had quit like five days after the last show. So it all really happened fast. You know, I didn't, I didn't really think that the band was going to happen again. What year was this ish? This would have been 2013. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the next thing I knew, my manager was calling me and saying Derek was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and with Steve being gone, it's hard because he's an original member and he, you know, a very big voice in the band, um, big personality. And, uh, yeah, it was tough. So, you know, when Derek and I reconnected, I didn't know what it was going to be like. And I didn't know what it was going to be like without Steve. Um, but, you know, once, uh, you know, Zumo got in the mix and, and Dave was back, Dave coming back really helped because it was another, you know, original guy back. And yeah. uh, so it all, it all seemed to fit. And, you know, with Tom's being there too, you know, it, it turned into a good situation. And, you know, obviously with Derek being sober, 
helps everything. Yeah. And he's got a good head on his shoulders now. And like, he's, he's like a real leader. Like he's, he's got so much focus and, uh, he's doing really well. That's good to hear. You know, I've tried to connect with him a few times, but I guess it's, uh, it's, it's tough. You know, it's tough. Uh, His, his phone box is full. You got a new baby too. Huh? What's that? What'd you say? What's that? What'd you say? I say he's got a new, the new baby too. Oh, well, I say I know none of these things. <laughs> yeah, well, like it's like four months or maybe three months. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, for sure. I mean, having yeah, because Derek is, you know, obviously the principal songwriter. You guys all sort of write, but it's his sort of like thing, you know. And yeah, you know, and after losing, you know, after getting, you know, losing Greg or however you want to frame it. Um, when Greg was asked to leave, I guess was that must have been a kind of a scary moment too, because you guys, you you know, to have that sort of that focus from that person that was there from the original times, you know, because you know and I know Greg would have walked in front of a bus for you guys at some time, yeah, right? you know, and you know that you don't need to talk about it; it's, it's totally fine. But I understand what it's like to have somebody who's there from the original to have to like either part with them or you know move on, yeah. With the Greg thing, um, it was it was time, but for me, I think the, the Steve thing was was more crushing. Yeah. Um, because you know Steve and I are really great friends, and you know like, so he was always just there, and uh, you know Greg and I were friends, and he was our manager, uh, but by by the end, I could see that Derek and Greg relationship being kind of torn apart anyway mm-hmm. and uh it just wasn't the same with greg anymore yeah um with steve quitting after like five days after the last show that that kind of crushed me a little bit yeah and, and same with dave you know to be honest yeah, when when yeah. dave quit too uh you know i was i i i, I hated it yeah because you, he's jumping ship you know what i mean like it's sort of like you you know all like how the how that band works you know how all the intricacies of it and it's a perfect unit of four people, you'd think, yeah. and then until one leaves, and you're like, oh, shit, I thought it was something other than what it, that person thought, you know? Yeah, and it's, you know, it, it, you can still go on, but it's never going to be the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we got Tom, and Tom was the best possible replacement we could get for Dave. Yeah. But oh, it obviously yeah. wasn't the same. It was just different. And it was good in another way. Yeah. Just wasn't the same, you know. With the same with Zumo, it's like it's amazing with Zumo, but it's not the same as Steve. Yeah. It's just another good situation. Well, and to your credit, um, and Zumo's another great drummer that we have, and he's an amazing person. Yeah, um, yeah. it's just it's just different. It's, you know, you just when you switch members, it just becomes a different band. Right, and to your credit, with Tom, when Dave came back, it was it's it's basically it speaks everything about you guys because it's like you could have just brought Dave back and not have Tom anymore, but you chose yeah. to keep Tom because you understood that bond that you'd created with Tom. And, of course. And it really does work, you know, like with three guitars and, you know, and, and it builds to that show and Tom can do other stuff. He's just, not just a guitar player. It yeah. was like the perfect move that all fell into place, right? Yeah, it's really strange, you know. And t- yeah, Tom's such a multi-instrumentalist, uh, you know. There's no way that we were going to let him walk from no. our, yeah. uh, so yeah i was just trying to find the right balance between tom and dave and derek with guitar wise but you know Der- derek likes to just sing sometimes anyway so yeah 
You just need yeah, to play guitar half the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's and I noticed some older, some newer videos. I mean, he's back with that Marauder, that that guitar. Still, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That motherfucker went everywhere on those first he, tours. Yeah, he was. He's been searching for Marauders for years. Really? Um, yeah, Be, yeah, because he wanted to bring it back, and I think he had sound one, and you know, he's a he's a gear hound. Yeah, yeah. So he's always looking for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think I took my Marshall out with you guys once too. I still have it. I still have that Marshall head. It still has the same tubes in it from when when you guys toured with it. Um, oh yeah, because okay. I took two two. Um, I think Derek wanted to have it clean and a more distortion, and that was sort of like, oh, I'll just bring my bring my guitar amp. I think that's how that worked out. So we had two heads. So funny, like the I want a clean and a distortion. Now you got Kempers. Now you just got yeah. it all. You just put that mesh up, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a different world now, eh? Like you guys, you guys were kind of ahead ahead of the curve with 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 how you did your show. I mean, like you're one of the band. I don't know who taught you to do this, but just sort of point your amps away and not have a lot of stage volume and and yeah. deal with in ears and things like that. And and you know, as as you know, I still work for bands, but it's like it's really tough to get people into that mode. Yeah. They called it like back then. They called like dog houses or something yeah, or yeah. or something. Yeah, um, I, I remember we went to um, pods, line six pods for a while. I still have one. We, I have one from so Trouble Charger. I, I think you can see it in this picture. No, you, yeah, it's the red thing back there. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I have it. the bass and the guitar one for like the original ones. Yeah, um, and we had heard Weezer was using them. That's right. They were using it on the Green album. Because yeah. they were and they, sound, they sound amazing. Yeah, and they sound amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, a we deal. thought, that, yeah. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, and then so we ended up. I got one for free. Somehow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Bill, Bill gives gives me this. I'm like, this is cool. I use that thing like so much, so much. You know, and you listen to yeah. it now. It's like, it's not really what it was good <laughs> back then. But it doesn't. Yeah, and I actually, I actually heard Brendan O'Brien uses the bass pod as a, like one of his main bass sounds. I use the guitar pod just for bass sounds too. Like the whatever the class A is a great bass sound for uh, you know for a little bit of bit of grind and grunge. Yeah, 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 yeah. But these Kempers like really change things too. Like that's what we use live. I mean, again, we copied other bands, but like Metallica was using them, and we're like, well. Metallica's using them, <laughs> and now everyone's using them. Yeah, yeah it just yeah. makes sense. Like you got like three hundred amps in one little box. That's uh, sounds amazing. It is pretty cool. I mean, it's the, just for the technology that's caught up to. There's even now laptop based ones that are like um, that are just like so good sounding. You're like, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know where we're going with all that stuff, but it's like it's not people aren't bringing tube amps on tour anymore. You know, like I'm sure you guys, yeah. Aren't. If it does, it's for show, right? Like you just the boxes up. All of our amps are empty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've become that band on Warp Tour that everybody makes fun of. You know, we're not Slayer that bring thirty amps and they're all on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So but, what uh, is? Yeah. So what is like now that everything's you know this is the hot topic. I don't like to talk about the COVID talk because I do one a week and everybody talks about the COVID talk. But what are what are you guys? What is the plan for some forty one going into next year? Because that's probably what's gonna you're good, probably going to be touring or doing something, right? Yeah. So we were supposed to have this whole year full. Like we, I'm supposed to be away right now. Yeah. Uh, 
so everything is mirrored to next year. Yeah. If, if it happens, hopefully it happens. But um, our, our next thing is May. Yeah. So we're off till May. Uh, um, you know, and I don't really see, to be honest, and I'm sure you've thought about this, but I, I've thought about this a lot, but um, there's no way they're going to allow big festivals and uh, big shows without some kind of vaccine. Like, how can you let that many people in a room or a field or camping out uh, at a festival for a week, you know, as they do in Europe yeah. without without a vaccine? Well, so yeah, that's true. And even if they do have a vaccine, there's going to be a certain demographic that aren't going to want to do anything, even if there's three vaccines, you know what I mean? There's going to be a lot of hypochondriacs yeah, out there going, no, 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 I'm not going anywhere, which, you know, it's going to be really hard for touring bands to sort of get back on things. And I, I, you know, it's funny, I talked to you about this, I think almost 10 years ago, but I think it's going to be live streams. I think it's going to be, you know, different yeah. ways of monetizing the show. Do you think that live shows are going to go away fully? I don't think they're going away fully, but I think they're going to be marginalized. I think what they're going to be is um, the model I see is that it's going to be, hey, man, let's get a good, awesome 50 people or 100 people and let's sell this as uh, with um, sponsors or something, and then we'll stream it for free or stream it for like a very minimal amount of money. And, yeah. uh, and, and you know, everything is a compromise now. Like everything's like, we'll just have, well, it's kind of okay. Like this whole parking lot show thing. It's like, yeah. do we realize this would never happen last year? No one would ever do these things because drive in, drive in shows. We're doing them at my theater. Stay, stay in your, stay in your car and yeah. watch a band. We're doing it. We're doing it so far. We're actually transmitting it through FM. So you can tune your radio and listen to the show in the parking lot. Like it's crazy. Sit band like Pennywise and mm-hmm. sit in your car. You do a mosh pit. You do a circle pit with your cars. <laughs> Smash them up derbies. I I don't know how it's yeah. gonna work out, but I do feel like bands like the Bublés and the Metallicas they're gonna be okay. You know what I mean? It's gonna be okay. of course. Yeah. It's the it's the club bands. Like I work for I work for Los Lo and their club band. You know, at best they'll play like maybe to a thousand people, but. That is the band that's going to have a tough time, you know, that it's going to be tough. But, you know, yeah. I think everybody sort of figures out a way, right? There's always a way, you know. And, and the other thing is I think it eventually will get figured out, whether it takes a year, two years. Yeah. Um, you know, COVID-19 will be a thing of the past, like uh, SARS, uh, polio. polio. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, like all that shit. Yeah. It all goes away. Well, I think it's going to take someone to actually forget about the intensity of what we've been going through the past six months to be able to sort of be comfortable to get in their car and go to the bovine and see a band. Like, I think, I really do. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of those, remember that thing? Because SARS, I remember SARS being really dangerous too, but I remember, wait a minute, we had the Rolling Stones. There was a million people went and saw the Rolling Stones to benefit yeah, It didn't SARS. feel the same back then. No, it didn't, right? No. Like, they didn't shut things down, and I, I didn't feel scared. I. I mean, I think I was 20 or 21. I, I don't even remember feeling any, any, like I, I felt fine. Yeah. Like no, I just I went, did, did with, I went off my business. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and it's, well, I mean, it's a similar type of disease, but I guess it's a, it's a more, you know, uh, intense, but definitely. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, you know, I feel more contagious, I guess like, 
that's what makes you happy and that's what makes you money and and there's not a lot of people out there who are happy making money you know what i mean like that that, that's a sort of a nice uh gift in life right where you know could you think what is you could you ever do what it could have should have like what if i did this what would happen like what would you what do you think you'd be doing other than playing bass in some 41 well such a tough question now um i don't know i have no idea I, I don't even have a, I don't, I don't have an answer for that because I'm so long into it now yeah. that it's like I could have went so many different ways. You're like Michael Jackson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, not really. No, bad example. You're like Mariah I Carey. It's like Michael, but yeah, that's yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know. So I, 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 I'm trying to look on the positive side where um, I know that there's been lots of these kind of viruses of the past, like the Spanish flu in 1918 and all this stuff. And medicine wasn't even half of what it is now. And they got over that and polio and uh, all this other stuff. Um, So with the way medicine is now, they'll eventually find a vaccine or a way to get rid of this. And then things go back to normal. Um, But we don't know when that is. Yeah. And who, you know, the other thing is like, if there's a vaccine, is everyone made to take it? Or, like around the world? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's like the flu shot, so, right? Like, like, well, you have to carry a card. Like I got vaccinated. <laughs> no, they you tag know, your ear. That's what's going to happen. They're going to put That's a tag cool. on your ear and say. Ta- ta- tattoo behind the ear. We got you. We got you. Yeah. Yeah. Now speak <laughs> to me. I want to see C-19. if I can pick you up. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, it's all up in the air, but you know, hopefully, I don't know. I I don't know what I don't know what's gonna happen, but I hope come May I'm gonna be in uh, Europe. <laughs> yeah, and you you still in Toronto, right? You're still based out of Toronto. Yeah, yeah. You made a smart yeah. move not moving down there. I tell you that. Yeah, I you know I I love L.A. and that's where obviously Derek is and uh, Steve had moved there, uh, but it was always a fun place to visit for me but i never saw myself living there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know why yeah well i mean you're raising children it's this is the best place to do it man and you know your parents are still around everybody's still happy yeah. right you know you're you're, you're yeah. close to things it's it kind of you know it, you i think you made a good decision in life to do that based on the fact that well hey man you're, everybody's taken care of a little bit better up here you know it's it goes yeah. without saying right that you know we have a we have a pretty good you know, system up here to take care of people, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm not living there now with their president. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a whole, that's a whole different thing. But, um, you know, I think I might've moved back (laughs) if I was living down there. Yeah. Like that guy just has, he's just a fucking idiot, but. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's bad. You know, and, and yeah, I, I had Kevin Lyman on the show like the day after Trump was voted in. And he was so mad at the world. Like, it was such a depressing, like, he just could not get over the fact. Like, he knew. He knew what was going on. You know what I mean? Like, You know what I think the thing is about all that is everyone knew it was going to be bad, but it's actually worse. <laughs> it's worse than everyone thought. Yeah. It is worse than I thought. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be a bad presidency. It's it's exceeded what I thought by so much more. Yeah. Give me another like, W. I didn't think Bush. Gonna be this bad. I'll take another W. Bush. Like I know he couldn't spell or speak, but when you that think that George W. Bush isn't that bad <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, 
It's bad. It's fucking crazy. It's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you think about it. Well, he was on a TV show, um, a reality TV show. Like, who thought this wasn't going to ha- be shitty? Who thought this was like, this might be okay. He might actually drain that swamp. He might do that. Yeah. He might do it. But nope, he's creating a bigger swamp and he's making himself rich and his friends over in. Well, what, what his followers don't see is it's all about him. Yeah. He's trying to just build his legacy, his name, and um, he's he's a big he's a big con man. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, to, yeah. To be a developer in Manhattan, you must have had to maybe you probably killed somebody with your bare hands. You know, like who knows? Yeah. <laughs> like what? What? You know. But uh, yeah. Anyway, that's probably another uh, more shitty poli- political polit- political story yeah. for another time. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't pretend to know everything about everything, but I do know that no. you know. I knew I do know that I don't want to go there for a while. I do know, and I do actually. Some of my friends who are like obviously liberal and 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 have like you know good intentions and thoughts, I'm mad at them. Somehow, mm. it's like, well, how you know, how did how did this happen? Like, how did you make this happen? You know, and so I'm kind of I'm angry at America and whoever's part of America. I'm just generalizing and just mad at all of America for doing. Well, this. I think it's uh, the truth is that if if all the um, the Democrats that that the people that are Democrats voted. Yeah. Do you never have another Republican ever again? Yeah. 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 That's um, the trouble. It's just thought, to get people people to get out and do it. Yeah. Everybody thought, oh, we got this one. I don't need to vote. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way that fucking uh, reality star is going to win. I thought the same. I'm like, there's no way this guy is going to win. Yeah. Oh, he won. Well, my friend, um, <laughs> I should let you go. It's getting late. I, um, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I um, definitely, you know, when you guys get back on tour and want to talk more about what's happening with the band and how life is, and, you know, I know you got two kids and that's, that's for me, that's pretty nuts. Cause I've known you since you were a kid. You, I knew you were just a little bit older than my son. <laughs> that's crazy, man. I can That's imagine weird. my son's 17 and he was like a year from now he'd be on tour. If he was in your band at that time, he'd be on tour. I have no idea how your parents dealt with that. You there? Yeah. 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 He, uh, yeah. What, what year was he born? Uh, 2003. Yeah. So we were 23. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my my kids are young, five and one. Yeah, so I'm like in the mix right now. Yeah, <laughs> Got boys or girls? Boys and girls? Five year old boy, one year old girl. Oh wow, that's amazing. You have yeah, same yeah, same kind of vibe as us. What do they Four call years that? Part. What's that family called? They call this actually. What do you, I don't know what they call it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's someone else told me it was like, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not having any more. No, me neither. No, <laughs> me neither. Good. Well, obviously, me neither. Yeah. Yeah, I I had some operations to figure that part out because I was like, "Fuck that!" You know, Me I too. too. Yeah, yeah. How'd that feel? <laughs> I hated it, Me but I like it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. Like I said, anytime, man. Like let's uh, let's keep in touch because uh, definitely it's a very you know you guys had a very very strong um, um, point in my life of of just how things came together for me and you're very, very supportive of my band and just supportive of me as a bro. And, and that for me, I really yeah. appreciate that. Well, thanks for putting up with all our shit <laughs> and thanks for coming along. Like, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Okay. Awesome. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, definitely.
And that was Cone. Bass player. Member of Sum 41. Father of two. You know. Good for you, Cone. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. If you uh, have one of the, like a first-time listener, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, please. It's very important, uh, you know, being a being a podcast that iTunes recognizes it. They've changed all the analogies, so it's all different now. So I don't know how that works anymore. But please tell a friend and enjoy the show. Go listen to some other shows. There's a, back in the catalog. There's a bunch bunch of other stuff in there pertaining to punk rock and all sorts of stuff, Canadiana, funny accents, and uh, you can enjoy that. You can enjoy that. That's 276 other episodes. And about 250 of them are awesome. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the 20 that... Yeah, well, you know what? That's about 20 bad ones. What can you say? It's almost 300 episodes. That's a lot of talking, everybody. So thanks, for thanks Cone, for doing this show. I, I said that already. But thanks also to you for listening to this show and, and all the other shows. And thanks for supporting this uh, little podcast that's been going over almost six years now. And uh, still going strong. Still putting them out kind of weekly and enjoying it. So have a great week. We'll see you next week. I got some I got some cool episodes coming up. And talk to you soon. Bye-bye.